Welcome to the Love Reaching Community's Sermon of the Week. For more information pertaining to the life of the church, please visit our website at lrcchurch.co.za. Good morning, everyone. Before we start, let's just open up in prayer. Father, I thank you for this morning, Lord Jesus. And Father, I pray that the word that goes out this morning, Lord, will, will leave a, a heavy weight on us, Lord Jesus. I pray, Father, that you will convict our hearts, Lord Jesus. And I pray that in this season, we'll find you as a light in our life, leading and guiding us. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, all right. So this morning, we're continuing with the series of Colossians. Um, and I've got the privilege to, to preach about Colossians 2, verse 16 to 23. And in today's portion, Paul's aim is to bring people back to Jesus Christ, the head, and understanding that without the head, it is impossible to bear spiritual fruit. You see, back then the Colossians had Jesus, but throughout, um, but throughout time, all kinds of different traditions and legalisms have crept into the church and have diluted the gospel without them even realizing it. And I'm sure most of you have gone to a games arcade before, right? The Magic Company, that game that takes your money for a moment of pleasure. <laughs> yes, that place. So I used to go there quite often as a, as a young boy. We used to love play games there. One of my favorite games was one of those shooting games. And uh, I, I can't even remember what it was called. I think it was called Area 51. Something like that. It was like you were a police officer and you had to go and kill all the people and you had a, a foot pedal and when you hit the foot pedal you ducked and reload and go back up and shoot everybody. And um, that was my favorite game. But just like any other game, you reach a certain point and then you die. <laughs> and then that, li that life-destroying message comes on. If you want to continue, insert three tokens. <laughs> Right? And like, it was okay if you had 50 tokens, but if you only had one or two, man, it felt like your life was over. And sometimes, you know, for us and for the Colossians, our salvation means exactly the same thing. Jesus put in the first token of your salvation, and after that, when you mess up, all of a sudden you feel that you now need to work for your salvation. And some of the biggest lies of the devil is... One, Jesus' sacrifice wasn't enough for you. Two, you are not savable. And three, Jesus only gave you one life, and after you redeemed that one life and sin again, then you have to win your salvation back by works. But that is not the truth. Because many people don't understand their position in Christ, we are constantly being deceived and being distracted. Ephesians 4 verse 14 explains how we are tossed to and fro by every wind and wave of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. And instead of running the race that, um, that Jesus has set out for us, we run this race that religion has set out for us. And we miss out on so much more. And in our own efforts to please God, we are actually moving further away from Him without even realizing it. Trying to do all kinds of things to please Him, not knowing that, man, we are already loved by Jesus. We are already loved by God. 
In today's passage, we see a lot of religious activity in the church, and that's what I want um, us to look at this morning. So if you've got your Bible, you can open up to today's passage in Colossians 2, verse 16 to 23. Let's start with verse 16. It says, Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in question of food and drink, or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by a sensuous mind and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you are still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion, asceticism, and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Now, Malise a couple of weeks ago explained how in the Colossian church they tried to worship Jesus plus there were all kinds of different things that came in, traditions, legalism, um, things from other religions, things from Judaism that crept in the church. And that was the, the, the main issue of the Colossian church, all of these different things that crept in. And in verse 16 and 17, they're holding on to the ceremonial laws. Paul is addressing the ceremonial laws and passing judgment on people for not holding to these laws along with them. What he's also saying is that when we set a standard on ourselves, that God didn't necessarily put on us, we then go and put that standard on other people. Whereas God never intended for the ceremonial laws to be kept, instead it was meant to point to something much greater. The Passover, for example. We were never meant to celebrate the Passover religiously. I know that for the Jewish people, when Passover comes, they clean their house because they're not allowed to have one breadcrumb in their house. And if a breadcrumb is found in their house, then there's big problems. We were never meant to celebrate the Passover religiously. It was meant to point to what Jesus was going to come and do in our lives, that he was going to be our Passover lamb, take away our sins. When it comes to things like the Sabbath day, we need to understand that we were never made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for us. We were meant to use the Sabbath, not the Sabbath, not us conforming to the Sabbath. <clears throat> we hold so tightly onto the Sabbath sometimes that we're condemning people that don't take the Sabbath, like the Jewish people, like the Seventh-day Adventists. If you're in the Seventh-day Adventist church and, man, you're working on a Sabbath day, you're in big trouble. Hebrews 4 explains how Jesus was the one who came to bring us rest. We no longer have to obey the Sabbath. Our rest is in Jesus. Not necessarily on a specific day. As Paul speaks about the shadow of the things to come in verse 17, these shadows were never meant to take the place of Christ. The reason why this happens is because of something called religion. And we are all blind 
And I want to add the word suckers for religion. We are all suckers for religion. And I know that there might be some of you that think, man, you might be religious, but as for me, I am not religious. I want, let me put it to you this way. All of us, all of us, all of us are blind for religion. The point of today's message is that each and every one of us has to constantly redirect ourselves to focus on the head and not to focus on the shadows. That is what this whole passage, passage is about this morning. And you'll find yourself in any, in any um, walk in life that, or in any um, you know, place in your journey with Christ that you have to constantly redirect yourself to Jesus. I mean, our natural tendency is to fall into comfort, is to fall into religion, but we have to make an effort to point, to redirect ourselves back to the head, which is Christ. And this morning, I'm going to look at some of these traps of religion that makes us ineffective for the kingdom of God. When we look at religion, it's probably the biggest reason why people don't come to church. I don't know if you realize that. It's the biggest reason why the church have a bad reputation. Why broken, imperfect people don't want anything to do with the church because they feel that when they come to church, they, they're going to get judged. God never called us to be the judge. He never called us to bring justice. He called us to love. Are we loving one another? When people look at us, can they say that I can see that they are Jesus' disciples because of the love that they have for one another, not the judgments that they have for one another? God never called us to judge or to bring justice. He called us to love. And if we want to be the light of this world, we cannot afford to be a religious people. If we want to be the light in Limbro Park, we cannot afford to be a religious people. That's the only way that we will be a lighthouse in this area is if we, instead of judging, just love people and allow God to work in their lives. Now, there's four pitfalls that I want to go through today. The first one that I want to look at is this. Religion causes people to hide behind what they do to hide the condition of their heart. Now, before I carry on, I just want to say that as much as I'm preaching to you guys, I'm also preaching to myself. I am not excluded. You have no idea how, I, how convicted I was as I prepared this preach and how God just uh, <laughs> um, stuck a sword in my heart. And so... I'm hoping that he will do the same to you this morning. A lot of times we don't want to, uh, people to see and know what we are going, what's going on in our hearts when we experience struggle and confusion. Why? Because we fear judgment. And um, there are many other reasons. We put up a front and we try to act holy so that nobody will ask the difficult questions, where is your heart? Or what is going on in your heart? So we, we, we cover that up with doing all kinds of nice things so that people don't ask that hard questions. And the Bible teaches us that God is more concerned with cleansing the inward man than the outward appearance of a man. 2 Timothy 3 verse 5 says this. It explains that those who have a form of godliness without the inward transformation deny his power. I'm going to read that again. Those who only have a form of godliness but deny the inward transformation 
without the inward transformation, deny His power. If we think that we can make ourselves right with God, we're basically saying that, God, we don't need you. Jesus, I don't need your sacrifice. I'm good enough to get myself into heaven. That's basically what, what it comes down to. And Jesus strongly rebuked those who merely attempted to cleanse the outward man without allowing God to come and deal with the inward man. We find a good example of this in John 4. Now, if you don't know the story, it's about Jesus and the Samaritan woman at the well. Um, I'll just briefly run through it, um, just in case you don't know the story. Jesus um, came to Samaria, and he sent his disciples into the town to go and buy food. So Jesus was just sitting at the well, chilling, and a Samaritan woman came along to draw water from the well. So Jesus asked the Samaritan woman, can you please give me a drink? And the Samaritan woman, surprised, asked Jesus, how do you, a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? Because they didn't, didn't have any dealings with one another. And Jesus started explaining to her, woman, if you knew who I was, you would have asked me for living water, and I would have given it to you. So after going a little bit back and forth, she realized Jesus is the real deal. So she said, said to Jesus, Jesus, give me this water that you are speaking of. And then Jesus jumped right into the issue, the heart issue. He told her, go and call your husband. She said, I don't have a husband. Jesus said, you are right by saying that you don't have, any, you don't have a husband because you had five and the one with whom you're living with is not your husband. Now, notice her, notice her response. She said, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. And then she tried to change the topic to the religious topic of the day, where our forefathers worshipped. Never mind the fact that she was a prostitute. She would rather hide behind religious talk than to deal with hard issues. And don't we do that sometimes as well? The lesson here is don't get so hung up with the shadows that you lose sight of the substance of Christ. God wants to do something in your heart. If you're going to hide behind something, you will never get the chance or you, never, you will never give God the chance to come and transform your heart, transform you from the inside out. Religious people usually have a sinful habit pattern that eventually manifests because they don't allow God to change their inner being. The more we attempt to follow God merely by the letter of the law, the more it will incite our sinful tendencies because our focus is on ourselves and it is not on God. John 15 makes this clear, that only when we are connected to the vine do we, do we bear fruit. Not to any works, not to any religion, when we are connected to the vine. And if I can be vulnerable with you, in the beginning of a year, God also um, gave me a nice loving smack. And he said, Duan, it's time to wake up. Stop hiding behind that what you do. I want your heart, not your acts. The second point that I, that I want to talk about, second pitfall, is religion makes people, make people lose their conviction. They perform Christian duties but have no passion or hunger for God, so they fall into the habit of comfort. Religious people sustain their own version of Christianity by the fact that they attend church or are part of a ministry. They do not have a deep relationship with God, nor do they hunger or thirst for Him. Now, Johann mentioned last week in his preach 
that when he came to Christ, when um, he got baptized in the Holy Spirit, God gave him tongues to speak in. And then later, and he was convinced that he was a new person. Later on, he heard the pastor say that if you don't get baptized, you won't go to heaven. Is that right? So that's why we're having a (laughs) baptism service, so that we can make sure that you guys are going to heaven. But (laughs) that's just a joke. But the point I'm trying to make is if you didn't have a conviction that God came and transformed him and made him new, he would have been easily deceived when the pastor said, you need to be baptized in order to go to heaven. Without conviction, we are like a wave that's tossed to and fro by every wind and wave of doctrine. See, what we do is we, we hear about Prophet Bushiri that can multiply your money 500 times, so we run to Prophet Bushiri, we invest our money. After a while, we realize, oh, we've lost all our, ma- all our money. Then we run to Pastor so-and-so, which raises the dead. <laughs> and, then, and so we go from one person to another, and um, it's, it's an endless pursuit because we don't have a conviction. Paul said in verse 18 and 19, just, sorry, just a side note, in that video of the pastor raising the dead person, you could see the person's mouth moving, and you can see how he's breathing. I don't know what people thought. <laughs> anyway, in verse 18 and 19, it says, let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by a sensuous mind, and not holding, on to, holding fast to the head from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grow with the growth that is from God. Each and every one of us are running a race. God's got a different purpose, a different race for every single one of us. And sometimes we can disqualify ourselves when we compare our our race to somebody else's race. I just want to let you know that in this race that we are running, we are all already winning the race. We just need to finish the race. But along the way, people come and disqualify us, stops us from actually finishing our race that God has for us here on earth. And... um, Sometimes we allow people to come in and disqualify us by telling us stuff like, if you don't have a lot of money, you are not trusting God enough. That's a real problem, guys. There's people that say that if you are sick, you must have, you must have sin in your life. And because of these things, we disqualify one another. We, and con- we, we fall into this condemnation where we become useless in the kingdom of God. Because we don't have a conviction, a firm conviction of what God has done in our lives. Now, I think it was towards the end of the year last year, we went to the Angus Buckham prayer event in Cullinan. Were there any of you guys that went along? It was a great meeting. While we were there, I was walking around. I mean, I had tears in my eyes the whole time. And God was just ministering me like the whole time I was there. It was an amazing time. And my heart cried out at the Angus Buckham thing, Lord, even if I have to stay in a shack for the rest of my life, 
May I, be, I just want to be able to say that I have finished my race. I have fulfilled the purpose that God has called me here on earth for. I'd rather stay in a shack and fulfill my purpose than stay in a mansion and have everything I have, but my soul is lost. And that, may that, may we settle that thing with God today. That Lord, no matter if we have a little, if we have much, no matter if we have a big house or a small house, no matter if we have a car or not, I will be content with what I have as long as I can fulfill my purpose here on earth. We need to know and understand that, um, that when we are in Christ, He will never leave us or forsake us. He will, we will never have lack. God says that He provides. He's a provider and He provides for His saints. That is written in His Word and all we need to do is trust Him. So whether we stay in a shack or in a mansion, um, He will take care of our needs. We just need to seek His kingdom and His righteousness and all of these things will be put in place. So my question for you, why do you do what you do? I want you to challenge yourself. Why do you do what you do? Is it because of a conviction from God? Is it because of somebody else's preference? Is it because of um, your own preference? Why do you do what you do? Ministry-wise and also in your life. And I just want to add that by no means is it wrong to do many things in the kingdom of God. I want us to understand that. I'm not condemning that. By, by doing many things in the kingdom of God, also ask yourself, am I doing this to earn God's love or praise from others or am I doing this because of an overflow of love that I have for Jesus? On to my third point. So one of the guys that I love listening to is John Bevere. Now, he had this saying, which I'm going to steal for my next point. He said this, Religious people hold on to what God did and not to what God is doing. I find myself a lot of times talking about what God used to do in my life. You know, whenever, I, whenever I'm around people, I love to give testimonies of all of these amazing things that Jesus has done in my life. And one day, my lovely wife, graceful doe, <laughs> She brought me back to earth and she asked me, what is God doing now in your life? You keep talking about what God used to do. What is he doing now in your life? And I realized that I just keep talking about what God used to do, but not what God is currently doing in my life. I am stagnant. It's so easy to live in the past and not to trust God for the future, when, especially when we grow com comfortable. I have a question. Have any of you ever wondered why there's so, so many denominations in the world, Christian denominations? Okay, there are many reasons. I'm gonna, just going to give you one reason. We've got the Lutherans, the Calvinists, the Methodists, the Baptists, the Pentecostals, the Charismatics, all of these different. One of the reasons why there's so many denominations um, in the world because people held on to what God, what God did. And don't get me wrong, God did incredible things in every single one of these movements. But because people thought this is the way that God moved, they held on to what God did and not to what God was doing. When we look at these different denominations, God revealed a significant truth that literally shaped what Christianity looks like today. If it wasn't for Martin Luther King, we would have paid for our sins today. 
If it wasn't for a guy called Charles Parham, we wouldn't have had the baptism of the Holy Spirit today. Charles Parham is known for the father of the Pentecostal church, of the baptism, where the baptism of the Spirit came in. If you think about it, 100 years from, from today, they didn't even believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the church. 100 years, from, 100 years ago, they didn't even believe in praying for the sick. Today, almost every second charismatic person prays for the sick. And something that all of these denominations had in common was the fact that when the next move of God started, the people from the previous move rejected the new move of God because they hold on to what God did and not to what God is doing. We can be in a place today where God can move incredible, incredibly, but if we stay in this place, we will miss out on so much more that God wants to do. God is constantly growing us. He's constantly revealing more and more truth. Are we open to that truth? <clears throat> so I want you to know this, that every person, church, organization, country have a different season in God. And that the only way that we will stay current is to stay connected to Christ. Stay connected to the head. Because if you think about it, all the orders comes from the headquarters. And if we are connected to the headquarters, man, God will take us where He wants us to go. But if we disconnect ourselves, we'll be lost and we'll be stagnant. Verse 19 reminds us that holding fast to the head from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grow with the growth that is from God. In this church, as we hold on to the head, we will see our lives change, our families' lives change, and we will see how God takes this church to the next level. I'm really excited for that. Don't miss out on what God is doing because of religion. The fourth and last pitfall that I want to talk about is religious people know about the truth of Jesus, but not the way of Jesus. Religious people make a big deal about the doctrines they accumulate through head knowledge. They make the mistake of thinking that having good doctrine means that they are mature believers. Just because we may know about God doesn't mean we commune with God and know Him experientially. Now Paul reminds the Colossians in this passage, don't focus on the shadows because it all points to one person, points to Jesus. Don't, don't get caught up with fantasies. Instead, hold on to the head where everything good comes from and don't get caught up with religious acts because they don't help with dealing with real hard issues. Only Jesus can do that. So don't reduce the gospel of Christ to head knowledge instead of experientially knowing Jesus. If you look at the word know in the Bible, whenever it talks about knowing Jesus, the Greek word literally means experientially knowing Jesus. Look at every word of the, uh, know. You know, go and look up the word know in the Bible. It's it means experientially knowing. So when it talks about knowing Jesus, experientially knowing Him, not just with head knowledge, but knowing Him with your heart. There's one thing that I want you to walk away with today. It's knowing Jesus is the most important thing on this planet. Don't settle for anything less than that. You are worth more than that. John 3.16 says this, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him will have eternal life. In John 17 verse 3, Jesus explains what does it mean to have eternal life. He said, eternal life is this, 
that you may know the only the one and true, only true God and the one whom he has sent that is eternal life that God is referring to so just to quickly recap number 1 don't hide behind what you do to hide your heart condition two don't lose your conviction in God that way it will be difficult for you to be deceived Next one, don't hold on to what God used to do in your life by sacrificing what He wants to come and do in your life. And lastly, it is not enough to have head knowledge about God. We have to know Him experientially. He wants a relationship with us. Amen. Shall we stand? Welcome to the Love Reaching Community's Sermon of the Week. For more information pertaining to the life of the church, please visit our website at lrcchurch.co.za.